What's with the 60-foot sign on your elevator that says wanted, high leg soybeans? Well, we need every bushel you farmers can grow. We're paying a premium with less hassle. Uh, you ever heard of a website? Yep. Visit soyinnovation.com, brought to you by the Soy Checkoff. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about flying arrows, flying diners, and the often feared and finally realized powdered wig of doom. <sighs> I am Beth Elderkin. I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? We're back. I, I'm lost. We've seen this tree before. I think we're going in circles, Beth. We're back. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to do this. You and I uh, watched this episode together. We did. Uh, it was a perfect happenstance. Uh, Abby and I, Abby came to visit me in Cleveland, uh, and, and we went out and uh, imbibed on uh, libations, a lot of uh, apple teenies. <laughs> and uh yeah and then we stayed up and watched season five episode one the dark swan uh so that we could kind of just share in that memory together uh which was super exciting but then of course we had to kind of watch it again yeah, later on yeah. because barely remember it because it was all fever dream of apple teenies yeah it was also like you know uh two women uh in the in their late 30s after a night We'd, we'd drank, we'd done the Uber thing, we'd gotten back into the hotel, and it was like, a, let's watch the show. So we washed our faces, we put on our jammies, and it was a both, I don't know about you, but I, was, I wasn't struggling to stay awake because of the show, but I was like, it's nice and quiet, and this bed is so comfy, <laughs> but I haven't seen the wig yet, so I need to stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> But it was funny to I, I I enjoyed us getting to watch this again together because it was a lot of you and I having very organic moments of oh yeah this oh yes because there was one in particular that's going to oh, be very fun to talk about we just started shouting it was so fantastic <laughs> <laughs> well everyone this is the season five premiere it aired on September twenty seventh twenty fifteen written by the showrunners themselves Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz and directed by Ron Underwood so this was the this was a big team a main team and you can tell this was a big episode for them to really uh, put the work into because this is a it's just, it's a different direction for the show. Like they're kind of, I think, re 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 course correcting after so much time spent, like going into Frozen, and then you had all the Queens of Darkness thing, and with the author, and so you had it. It kind of became a bit of a convoluted mess, and I think now they're trying to like go back to basics. Emma is the dark one. There you go. But also Camelot's there, and some guys harassing a young girl in a movie theater. I. This did have a feeling of just like, hey, we put a lot of things in motion. 
but we're also trying to do kind of like a hard reset on our storylines. But we do have a lot of pieces in place that are going to actively fight against our... St- like, that's, I, I feel like that's going to be the theme of this season, of just what they have already put in place, what they're trying to do, and how the things that are already in place are fighting where they're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And, and it already starts showing in this episode, like, immediately. Oh, yeah, like the point where Leroy and a couple of the other guys show up and they're like, we need to come to this reason. And I'm like, I remember when I first watched the episode, I'm like, yeah, let's bring the dwarves. Everyone's coming. They they weren't there last time. They got sidelined. But then this time I'm just like narratively. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. You're here. What? Why? Okay. Ah, so we renegotiated contracts between seasons. Got it. Like, which is great. I love them getting bigger parts, but again, narratively, it could have been better. Um, yeah. And also, like, I think just the moment you see the uh, post shower hair of Dark Emma, and you're like, oh, <laughs> hmm. I was expecting. I think everyone was expecting her to like just like. I know I was. I was expecting something huge. Something very extra, and then it just didn't happen towards the until the end of the episode, and it was it was a weird feeling, and I felt that same weird feeling upon rewatch. Mm-hmm. That's gonna so. be something. Yeah, that's gonna be something interesting to talk about because there was a lot of positive response to this episode. People were very excited and hyped up about Dark Emma, even after the powdered wig uh, made its grand appearance. So. I think it's going to be interesting for us to kind of re-examine whether the Dark Swan works um, or rather how it doesn't work. So far, I'm I'm more on board with it, I think, than I was anticipating. But let's, why don't we start all the way back in 1989. Uh, the, the, the world is a, is a beautiful, wonderful place. And we've got uh, young Emma played by, oh, who is, oh, it's McKenna Grace who plays the young version of every white blonde actress in existence. She has played young Sabrina. Um, what else is she's been in just freaking everything. Like she's incredibly talented. Don't get me wrong. But um, she's in like Ghostbusters Afterlife. She was in, uh, God, she's in like uh, Malignant. She was in Ready Player One. Like I, Tanya, she was young Tanya Harding. Like, she is this this girl works so for uh, two things first of all i did find i also found the tiktok of the girl that plays young snow who played like every young brunette girl in that time period and she like stitched a video of someone like making fun of her and she was like listen i know my cry face i'm aware of it now i'm very sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it just made me laugh. Um, I'd like to point out, just getting from the jump here, speculatively, Emma was born in 1983. So, 1989, she's six. six. She, like, she's young and little and tiny, but also, like, a master thief. St- stealing her, I assume, a lost reference. It Candy? is a lost reference. Okay, I was like, I don't recognize these snow oh, caps. Hun- like- yeah, yeah. We, we this isn't the first time we've had this candy prop. It's yeah, been yeah, used yeah. a few times. So. But yeah, so anyway, she's apparently six. I don't think that that tracks. Uh, but whatever. 
whatever. This is not the weirdest part of this scene. No, no. The 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 weirdest part is yet to is about to come. Uh, Emma goes into the movie theater to watch The Sword in the Stone, the classic Disney movie where King Arthur and Excal- uh, gets Excalibur. But oh no, it's a warning. It's a foretelling. So some creepy. Uh, uh, what is it like? What's his shoot? What usher? A creepy looking yeah. usher just shows up. Is like, don't do it, Emma. Don't do it. And she's like, what? I stole a candy bar. No, she's like, he's like, no, don't do another thing that I'm not going to tell you what it is, except I'm going to be incredibly vague. I'm going to know your name and I'm going to talk to you about pulling a sword from the stone as we're watching a movie about someone pulling a sword from a stone. And you're not going to immediately scream and call for a grown up, which you should absolutely do. I honestly, God, I appreciate so much about the scene because of how just bonkers it is of just being like, this is a theater that not only let her in unaccompanied uh but then but but what looks like a your basic like big box movie theater and then all of a sudden just this usher who looks like he's in a marching band outfit he's just like obviously they have ushers in 1989 i don't think ushers like this existed still no. um anyway yes the this show and creepy old prophesizing men uh cornering scared young women is a problem that i like it's the if i had two nickels for every time this happened i mean it only happened twice but it's still weird that it happened twice because yeah this whole scene was just she obviously it's a core memory for her like that would be one of those things that you would never forget for the rest of your life like I, mm-hmm. this guy just sat down like a guy that you would think similar things to what with the sorcerer's apprentice just some guy who's a little bit not not quite all there and you're just like mm-hmm. okay i won't i won't do it thank you i'm gonna go though props to that young girl in the front who sh- properly shushed him and was like sir mind your manners this is a house of movies yeah excuse house of me. cinema there uh, sort of the stone is happening okay anything that you have to talk about can wait until after thank you so we don't know this right now, but eventually we are going to find out this is Merlin. And apparently the original plan wasn't to have this scene in the first episode, but then they decided to add it later. Um, it was kind of a last minute addition. I'm not quite sure. I honestly don't feel like we needed this yet. I mean, I shouldn't be complaining because they're planting seeds for further down the line. And then we also get the follow-up where we see King Arthur pulling the sword from the stone. So there's a little bit of juxtaposition there. But I don't know. Did did this need to be the first scene in the episode? Eh. So, but then the question is, what then would be, out of what they've shot, what would be the first scene? Would it be them yelling in the street like a complete, like just run them together? Season finale into season uh, series uh, premiere? all in one like quick second or or do you just cut to the bad cgi of the dark one pool of wonder like i mean i would have been okay with the king arthur scene being first just start us random because it kind of also would have played into how operation mongoose started where you had the random night and it turned out it was a tv show so like you could just actually have that in real life in the next episode and it's kind of a nice follow-through I could see that. I just think I'm, I'm wondering if it didn't seem as strong because, again, I have very strong opinions about the outfits that they wear for the King Arthur <gasps> oh stuff. Oh, my God. So I'm not a great step forward. I get what you mean, though. Like if the costuming would have been a little bit better on that, 
it would have been a much stronger start because again game of thrones exists now in this universe like in mm-hmm. like when we're watching this game of thrones fully exists and is a whole situation so you can't you really can't half-ass this stuff and they kind of did anyway so you can't mm-hmm. lead with it you can't lead with it if you're gonna half-ass it yeah, because, yeah, let's go ahead and go head to, to our brief stint in Camelot, where you have King Arthur and um, and Sir Lancelot, who is, I believe, played by the same actor yeah. um, that we got previously. And then you also have Sir Percival. And, yeah, like, their costumes can only be described as, like, generic medieval times medieval garb. times. Yes. Combined with the cowls from, I think, the evil queen's guards. I think they Probably. just repurposed their cowls and just put them around their necks because they because the two things do not match at all. And it makes it look like they have sequins on. Yeah, it also just and I understand like that time period, a lot of bright colors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I get it. It just it doesn't look quite right. And also they I'm remembering how much I disliked King Arthur because he just the, all of those scenes seemed to not mesh well with Once Upon a Time. It did have a very, like, stilted, bad Ren fair vibe to it. And this scene 100% was like that. So they, like, ride in because they're trying to find the Sword and the Stone. And, oh, there it is. But not before they've been beaten. They've been beaten there by Sir Kay. Great name. Uh, and he's like, they have this little back and forth that makes me laugh. Because of how, like, weird and stilted it is. Because they're just shouting at each other dramatically like junior high kids in a Romeo and Juliet <laughs> play. No, don't do it. I shall. I won't be the only one. that I will be the king. And he grabs a hold of it. Sir Kay grabs a hold of the sword and the stone. Uh, and then gets Thanos dusted. Like... Oh, yeah, he's uh, turned into ash pile at the feet yeah. of the stone. And then King Arthur just walks over him. Listen, so I will give him that. That is the good, that's the coding of a guy that wants to be king. Like, it's the, it's the jokes, just like anyone that wants to be the president of the United States shouldn't be. Uh, because anybody that is like that, in, like, same thing with a king. Because I think it's Lancelot looks at him and is like, well, it's your turn. And he's like, well, time to go do my thing because he fully believes his destiny. And he's just like, listen, if I die, I die. But right now I'm taking this damn sword. And he does. And it's all beautiful. He pulls it out of the stone and then, Wah! Is blunted. There's where's the rest of it? Where's the rest <laughs> of this damn sword? And they panic because it seems to have been broken. I do think it's funny that they don't consider that it snapped off in the stone. Yeah, I was wondering that myself. Like, like they don't like peer inside, get like a flashlight. They're just sitting there just like trying to get the best view down this like slit that has probably been left in there. On their, what I can only imagine is just, like, blunted sword in general from being pulled through a stone sideways. Um, But, yeah, they're like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll just keep it, like, in the scabbard. Um, I'm the king. I'm the king because I have the sword because the lady in the lake told me I needed to come get it. I have it. No one needs to know that the tip is missing. Uh, It's fine. And they hold up the sword. Dun, dun done the tip of it's the dagger dun, 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 dun. Dun. what a dumb looking sword dun 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 <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little it's a little goofy i do i like this piece of lore i think it's very interesting that the dark one dagger is part of caliber and i like that they that we learn that and then that's it like we don't get any discussion for it no further exploration this is just a tease for stories further down the road and i really like that 
And I, as far as King Arthur goes, I actually really like the character because of how much I hate him. Hmm. He is, he feels like a fraud. He feels oh, okay. like a living, walking fraud. And if you, if you, and we see that further, like his relationship with Marion, uh, how he controls his kingdom, the, the shit that he pulls. He is, he is a full, like he is live embodiment of imposter syndrome, but he handles it in the most toxic way. And so right now, like this may change with all the two by four stuff when Prince Charming gets a BFF. But right now, like, I'm like, okay, I can already tell this guy sucks. I, I, you know what? I really like that because, and I know I, <laughs> I talked ad nauseum about this over the weekend. I'm obsessed with the whole, like, royal, royal family stuff that's going on right now. More in kind mm-hmm. of, like, the pageantry of it all and how, like, strange it is juxtaposed with our current times. I can only imagine being like, well, you're king now. And you're just like. Oh, okay. I guess I, I guess I will be in charge. And yeah, the imposter syndrome has to be real when it's just like, well, a mysterious woman in a lake told you to go get a sword and you went and got the sword and the sword did come out for you and you didn't turn into dust. You're king now and you just got to be like, it can't be that this can't be it. This can't be what proves that I'm the king. <laughs> like, should there be like some sort of like some sort of ninja warrior course that I should have to beat and I should have to beat a bunch of people. I'm not just like the chosen one. Cause yeah, I don't think he feels, I feel like this is, he feels that this is it. Like this is what he needs to do. Like he, he feels like the kind of guy who, who believes that something is owed to him just because Mm. he is who he is. Like he was told you get the sword, you're king. That's his whole, his whole mode to be. And then he gets it and it's broken. And then he's like, all right, we got to keep it a secret because I'm still the king. I don't think he has any care or intention to find the rest of it right away because he still needs to tomfoolery the people. But alas, that's a conversation for another episode because that will definitely come into play as King Arthur becomes even more of a douchey bro dude. We, you know what? That's a nice juxtaposition to like Emma. Like you're a chosen, like the unwilling chosen one juxtaposed with the toxic chosen one. Yes. I'm the chosen one. I deserve literally everything that's been handed to me. And I, I, I was handed something subpar and I'm just going to lie about it because I don't really want to do the work. Thank you. And I, from what I remember, that actually like very much kind of comes into their, their character dynamics. And I think that actually does play a part. All right, well, we cut to the dagger, the missing piece of L'Excalibur, and it's on the ground. It says the words Emma Swan, but Emma is nowhere to be found. It is immediately after Emma's disappeared, and yet everybody has um, surprisingly different haircuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. It's fine, it's fine, it's mm. fine. This season is sponsored by mm. Pantene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Regina, looking flawless and gorgeous. Her long, her long, she does have a little bit more of the, the flip, though, which I'm not a huge fan of. And oh, we need to calm it a, down that, a little bit. That's such a mid-aughts, like, the flip. I tried to do it a w- couple weeks ago with my hair, and I did the flip, and I went, oh, I can't do this. I'm having very bad, like, bar-hopping memories. I can't. I, I'm an adult. I'm an adult now. I have a child. I can't look like this. <laughs> can't have the feathered, weird curls. No, see, that's why I do the very shortest version of Snow's hair when yeah. she's Mary Margaret, so that I don't have to deal with anything. And I'm like, I still look like Snow. 
All right. Well, everybody starts yelling at each other because they're because they're just all mad. They're all different versions of mad. Uh, Regina's mad because Emma did that. Uh, Mary Margaret's mad because she's gone and she's like, no, she still has good nerve. Charming doesn't speak until like the end of the episode, but he exists. So let's just acknowledge that. Uh, And then um, and we hear Henry. He says a line. He's he's expositioning a little bit. But then Hook is just off the rails. Hook is so big, man. He's just the whole episode. He keeps that energy for a while. Yeah, it's like I know that I know eventually the whole dark one thing, it encompasses Hook. But I feel like he's laying it on a little thick a little early. Like he's he's already like tempting by the dark side by being very angry, not taking a moment to rest and reflect and think about wiser choices. He's just he's flying by the seat of his pants and those pants are on fire. Burning pants. Yes. And this is also the scene in which that they, the writers let us know that they know that we are talking because Regina fully refers to him as Guy Liner. Oh, yes. Oh, classic. Good classic. Guy Liner. Very classic. We love it. So they head over to, um, they head over to see The Apprentice because they learn Emma must be in another world because uh, Hook tries to summon her. Ooh, intense. She he show also up. keeps calling her Dark One. Yeah, not not like the coolest thing. Like no. you, when people summoned Rumple as a Dark One, they just called him Rumple Stiltskin. You can just say Emma Swan, Emma Dark Emma Dark Swan. Like there's so many different ways that they oh, could put words. That would have been heartbreaking for him to like try calling her, but like calling her name, like full name, because that's what it says on the it says on the dagger. You know, he says Emma Swan. Uh, and just be like, Emma, Emma. And then goes back to being big mad. I just wish, I'm fine with him being big mad. That's fine, whatever. I just, a little bit more dynamic on our, that being that angry that long, that's a lot of energy. It's yeah, energy he, he needed moments to be sad. He needed, yes. he needed those levels. He <clears throat> needed up and down a little bit. I would have loved if he'd tried with Emma, started with Emma, and then eventually said dark one because he got desperate. Yeah. And even that didn't work. You yeah. like you know Emma Swan, Emma, dark one, and then p- nothing worked because she's gone, gone, gone. So they go to see the apprentice who is about to die. He dies. He ain't. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think because Belle's also gone, so I don't think she rehabilitates him. Listen, but <laughs> I don't think that happens. <laughs> apprentice had to stay alive just long enough to explain a lot of stuff very quickly, and yada 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 how they travel. Yes. Which is fantastic. <laughs> yes, because he's just like, Emma is in the Enchanted Forest. That's where all darkness is born. Hmm. Okay, good job, Enchanted Forest. You kind of screwed it over for the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> the Enchanted Forest is a hell mouth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you go to the Book of Genesis. Enchan- yeah. Takes place in the Enchanted Forest. Garden of good and evil. Snake. Snake. Crocodile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... The apprentice says, well, you have to go travel to her uh, to get to her. Luckily, I have a magic bean. I mean, a magic wand that will get you where you need to go. But it can't it can only be wielded by somebody with, quote, two sides of the coin, which somebody apparently said is a reference to like the Merlin TV series from 2008. I don't know if that's accurate or not. 
Oh. Mm. But in any case, somebody has to wield the light and the dark. And literally the only reason for this is so he can bring Zelina on board. Because she does not need to be here. But she is a main cast member now. So she's got to be here. Those contract negotiations are really screwed with our storyline. I know. I... I'm obsessed with how they get around so much stuff. Like, all right, remember, here's the wand. I'm going to give you a bunch of really weird rules for it that is going to specifically point to one person. Uh, Because, like, Regina tries to use it. And then, again, it's just like this. I enjoy Regina and Hook fighting because it's like a sibling fight. In a way. He's like, stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. Yeah. She's like, I thought you could do this. And she's like, you've... And then, like, they're insulting each other like villains, which is so funny. Where it's like, no, you're too good now. You're too good now. You've done too much good. Now you can't use it. You're a square nerd. Like, we got to go find someone else. I found this whole thing... It was very funny, but also a little messed up because they were just standing over a dead body. And all of them just, like, he dies. And they all just look a little uneasy for half a second. Like, Belle looks around, like, awkwardly. And then that's it. Like, nobody expresses sadness or weirdness or uncomfortableness of standing over a corpse. I just, again, this just has, like, a family drama. Like, again, like, he's not, like, a, he wasn't a staple or a pillar of their, like, little family circle thing. So it does seem weird. Like, it's just, like, one of those, well, Grandpa died and now we're all fighting over stuff but none of us have left the like none of us have left the hospital room yet situation very toxic family problem yeah you're right just a just a dead body just fully just fully dead body well dead body goodbye he doesn't get a funeral no one cares uh regina and robin hood go to uh see zelina um who is meditating she's harnessing her chi with her magic cuff and and she's like, you know what? I'm going to do it because motherhood's changed me. <laughs> I hate all this. I hate Zelina in this episode because her whole thing is like, I'm all about this baby now. This baby's going to love me. You're not even involved anymore, Robin Hood. Because like, she did it to mess with Regina. And now it's like she did it for herself. Like, I'm kind of, what are you thinking about all this? I, I honestly think that this was a, this was them trying to like steer away from the nonsense that they were doing and make her mm. not a villain anymore S- because they also make it a point for her to not be in any way attracted to Robin and also to make sure that it's clear that she didn't like what she had to do to get where she was, which was a weird comment for her to make. So it's just a, oh, I don't even, I don't care about him at all. I just wanted to have this baby, I guess. And it's fine. I don't care about ruining your happiness anymore. Like, she's meditated herself into some sort of new, new personality, I guess. Yeah, because, like, just, like, one or two episodes ago, the literal thing she said is, like, I'm in your life now forever because this baby is going to be in your and Robin's life. Nah, 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 nah. And now she's like, I'm going to go away on a cyclone. I came in on a cyclone. I'm going to leave on a cyclone to go back to Oz so I can be away from all of you guys. But no, I think you're absolutely right. I think they're, it's a little bit of retconning because they have to justify Zelina still being a part of the show. They still have to justify her existence. Yep. And, you know, they have to, to kind of make her a little less completely horrible, even though she still is. 
I did like that they finally acknowledged he was an unwilling participant. That's the closest we get to recognizing <laughs> what it is, sexual assault. Uh-huh. But it's a step, a little baby step, barely a step, but it's there. I'm wondering if, and I know I don't know how much backlash there was. I did not feel the need to deep dive on this because it was going to break my brain. But I'm going to guess that there was like some not great people like, hey, this isn't cool. So it was like, okay, well, how do we make it so that she still did it, but it's fine? Mm-hmm. And they didn't quite nail it because there's not a way to fix that. There's no way to fix what they did without like, psych, it didn't actually happen. It was actually somebody else. I was actually sleeping with someone else. Because that would have just been like Robin going, oh, that does make sense. We've never actually had sex. What did you like? Robin doesn't know how babies are made for some reason, like d- some sort of weird storyline like that. But there's no other way to get around it, and they did their best. Shrug. Well, Zelina demands that Regina remove the magic cuff. It's the only way she's going to be able to make the wand work. Regina says, "Uh, hell no, no, thank you," and we leave. Hook having none of it. She, he's like, we, we need to make this plan work. God damn it. My, my, my lady love is out there. I must get to her. So, Henry, let's go formulate another super secret awesome plan. Father and son, let's do it. This is where we get confirmation that the nurse is called Nurse Ratched. They hadn't really nice. said it before, but they do call her by name in this episode. And Henry uh, has a, has a, hatches a harebrained scheme to spill soda all over the nurse so Hook can get the keys and sneak in and help Zelina, but oh no, it backfires because Zelina protected her heart against magic. And um she dies. <laughs> she dies. This should have killed her. Nope. She, they should have she she grabs a dull blade and in one swipe chops off her hand so that the magic cuff is no longer attached to her body. Although it's still technically a part of her body because it's on her hand, but I digress. She should have passed out immediately from the pain. Skews of blood all over the walls. Immediate blood loss. This woman is deceased. She is no longer on this mortal coil. Or at the very least, there's no way you could do that in one hit. There's a bone in there. She but, she she used a blade and she's not have magic. This is mortal this is mortal moves. She goes through the bone. So we have to remember she is she is in and I I say this cheekily. I'm in no way defending this. She's she's been imprisoned and she's pregnant. She has superhuman mom strength. Uh, adrenaline and that like weird um what's that weird chemical that makes all your bone like all your uh joints real uh stretchy that makes it hard to like do stuff or you're gonna break your arms the whatever um so yeah so maybe she just like she was able to do it and just survived out of pure adrenaline because and also she's super jacked now like she's either meditating or doing push-ups like she's so jacked uh I I I I love the idea that she like meditated herself into some sort of like superhuman superhuman like zen state zen state in which she no longer feels pain and she's just like yeah like that's imagine that yoga class we will meditate until we can no longer feel pain who wants to chop off their arm like 
Let's go. It's cool. You can get it back. It's okay. We can grow it back. I have essential oils. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I love that. I love it's just like, well, we put it again. This is the chess pieces that they're trying to work around. Well, we put a cuff on her. What do we do? No one in their right mind would take the cuff off of her. I know. She will one hit herself and chop it off. So now we've we've introduced the idea that you can chop the cuff off. Because if I remember correctly, the cuff comes into play quite a bit soon. It, I mean, it comes into play like 10 minutes later in the episode. It's, it's kind of fascinating, though, because like there was... I remember last season, there was a whole thing where, where when... Um, when Hook wanted his his devil hand, yeah, like there was a whole thing where he like chops off his hook hand, and then they decided to not do that because it'd be too gross, and then they just do it here. I'm like, it's weird. I don't know why the one, not the other, but alas, magic cuffs make us do weird and wild things. So she attaches her hand. She gets the wand. She she well she doesn't get the wand she like poofs away she goes to kidnap Robin she's using him as bait and is like I'm gonna make him fly into the clock tower and perish. Roland is now abandoned at home sleeping so hopefully he's okay. Don't leave a child home alone. How dare you, Zelina? Motherly instincts are failing. Poor little Roland. He's a latchkey kid. He's just sitting there watching Nick Jr. at home. Just be like, I hope we don't run out of pizza rolls. Like. He does. He is. He does go to Camelot, though. He's in well, the. He's in the diner. We gotta bring him. We gotta bring him with us. We just. We're gonna leave him, as long as he's in town. <laughs> he's not gonna leave town. So that's that's the babysitting realm of just as long as Roland's still here. It's Granny fine. can put him to work in the Camelot diner. That's why Granny gets to come. That's why Granny has to come. She has her daycare set up. Yes, her her daycare and grilled cheese sandwiches. Well, uh, Zelina demands the wand. She's going to make herself a tornado and she's going to whisk herself away to Oz so her and the baby can be alone forever and feared by all and beloved by nobody. Uh, And Regina agrees, even though Hook's like, no, Hook and Mary Margaret are like, let him die. Let him die. (laughs) Just just let him die. Just let him die. It's fine. It's fine. Let him die. But she agrees, hands the wand over, Zelina, and then we just get all this these multiple plot layers that make no sense. Zelina conjures up the storm and then gets zapped by the wand that Regina knew was going to happen. And she's like, I knew it was going to weaken you. And immediately goes and puts the magic cuff back on. This was so stupid. Correct. We, like, <laughs> and then they bring her with them. Why, other than contract renegotiations, why is she there? Leave her behind. I, I just, I don't understand any of this. Like, it's such like a weird ragtag family vacation story of just being like, okay, we're all going on vacation, but we're also bringing your aunt Zelina, your weird uncles, uh, and granny. Uh, we're all going together. Why? They asked and I wouldn't say no. That's all this. This is like the vacation from hell. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is just, it's so contrived how they get them all there. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't, I have not watched ahead at all. Um, and I, I barely remember like granny needing to come along, but I guess it does make it sense. Make sense. I just, I cannot wait to find out what they're doing while all of this ha- is happening because like a lot of other stuff is happening. 
before like before the mysterious uh six is it like six weeks or something they're mm-hmm. missing a bunch of weeks um yeah it just i love how many people that's too many people it's too many people on the friend vacation we cannot coordinate it somebody's gonna get mad at somebody and we're all gonna stop being friends with each other it doesn't yeah, work the airbnb cannot support this many people and yeah, the pool yeah. is lackluster yeah, we can't do that. And also, we did have to lie on the Airbnb. So, like, if anyone comes over, three people have to go in the closet. That's just how it is. And we have to share towels. And don't forget, everybody, we also have to strip every single bed at the end of this, or I'm not getting my $50 back. <laughs> and you all owe it to me, and I will take you to small claims court. Well, they all head inside grannies, including the dwarves who show up, and they're like, we are coming, too. It's only three. The others stay behind. And they get the baby blanket to, and it's so weird, like, they bring out the baby blanket that we very well know is Emma's baby blanket. It's the blanket, it says Emma, and then Mary America goes, Emma's blanket. Emma? Bitch, it's right, yeah! Yeah? She's so funny in this episode because she, and I'll give it to her, I'll give it to her because she's acting, like, as a mom in shock who just watched, because, like, her immediate reaction after Emma takes the the dagger and disappears into nowhere is to be like, no, she's still good. She's still good. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Like, she's upset. And she's upset through most of this. She's just, like, wandering from scene to scene, having, like, a small mental breakdown. Maybe perhaps because her husband isn't saying any words to her. Um, Like, while Hook is demonstrating Big Mad and Regina is just, like, coasting in a fog of being, like, mean. Uh, not mad, just mean uh, and confused. It, so yeah, so it's just strange. I do, I do like that only a couple dwarves come. Yeah, well, like, the others have to stay behind and open a obviously. beer garden in a deleted scene that we don't get to experience, which is incredibly depressing because I wanted to see the dwarves' beer garden. Um, and I think before they all decide to do this, um, I believe Belle is also given the world's largest prop. Oh my god, I felt so bad for Belle. So she's hanging out with Rumpel, who's 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 taking a long taking a long nap. Uh, Blue's there, and Blue's just like, "Go with the plot. You're a main character. You need to be in the plot." Belle's like, "No, I want to be with Rumpel if he dies." And instead of like giving her like a little brooch to wear with petals on it, instead of giving her like a little a little watch or something, a nice little wrist accessory. She instead gives her a giant glass vase with a rose inside and goes, here, carry this everywhere you go. I'm also, I'm, I feel like what she said was, I want to be here if he wakes up. No, she says, if he goes, I want to be here. Okay, Basically, I'm, she's like, he okay. does, she doesn't want him to die alone. Okay. First of all, amazing. That's a great, like... That's an amazing thing to want to do. I'm not going to sh- sh- First of all, I thought she said she wanted to be here when he woke up and and then Blue's like, here, if he dies, all the petals will fall off this. But again, it's so big for what? Like, we get- I get it. It's the beauty of the beast. Which is very exciting. Let's make it smaller. Let's, like you said, make it a brooch. Make it like, do you remember? Um, I don't know if this is still a thing. Do you remember when you would go to like the theme parks and stuff and they would paint your name on a piece of rice? And they'd put it in the little vial and you'd wear it around your neck and it cost $35 for absolutely no reason. And you'd be like, I went to this place and I got my name written on a tiny piece of rice. I am so cool. Like, let's do a tiny piece of rice. 
Yeah, let's Rose. Yeah, we see her in later scenes, like, including in Camelot in the Enchanted Forest, just carting around this giant rose. It's, like, at least give her for maybe, like, a ba- a purse she can put in, like, a, a little back, a little knapsack, a little carrying Kirk. case, a little hip, a little hip holder. It is a literal visualization of the burden of her love for Rumple. It is just... It is now very clear that she is just, it's not not carrying a torch for him, carrying a very large piece of glassware and a very delicate flower indicating the amount of life he has left in him. Like, what a weird little time bomb you're carrying around. Also, what are you going to do? Like, oh, the last petal's about to fall. Okay, well, we're in the middle of a thing. Yeah, like, she can't get back. Yeah, so, well, now you just know that when he dies, so you can be looking at it when he dies. What a warm and happy feeling for you. It's Yay. so, it's, it's, no matter where Belle is, Rumple has to be the center of her attention. That's all she exists for. And so that's what we're all, only thing we're going to continue to do. We almost all think about Rumple at all times. If, Emma thinks about him in her brain. If you look at Belle, you have to think about Rumple. <laughs> that is the rule. That's the absolute rule. Uh, yes. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure we didn't get through that na- disaster. Oh, yeah. No, we have to get... We have, Yes. And now we're getting through another disaster, a natural disaster, a green natural disaster that takes everybody through, uh, through a tunnel, through a tornado, into the Enchanted Forest. Now they've all come in on a cyclone. Yeah. Like, they're all going to get shirts. Yeah. We all came in on a cyclone. That's the family vacation shirt. We all came in on a cyclone. I came in on a cyclone and all I got was this stupid shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's too good. That is too good. I'm going to make those shirts. Our merch line is just Mm. a bunch of cyclone jokes. (laughs) All right. Well, now everybody has come in on a cyclone. They are in the Enchanted Forest, but they're not the first ones to arrive. Uh, We now take ourselves to a black gooey pit of goo. Who's there? Who's arrived in the Enchanted Forest just a little while before? In in a tiny, inky blackness of a tide pool. In what is now, what I apparently is called the Vault of the Dark One. Mm-hmm. Emma rises like Alex Mack from <laughs> Deep Cut. Sorry. Alex just rises from the goo. And apparently it's a very wet goo because she appears in this, like, hunter green drab looking cloak that does not fit her correctly. And her hair is just wet as if she is 10 minutes from being in the shower. Yeah, her hair is wet almost the entire time. It's she's just looking consistently like it's really muggy outside. Mm hmm. Until she chooses not to murder Merida. When that happens, her hair instantly dries and gets a lot of volume. It's magic dry. So they always say those things like when you look at people who like look at people who don't look like they're aging very well, but then you look at like politicians who are absolute disasters and they're like, apparently uh, not being racist is the elixir of life. Apparently... Not murdering people, amazing for your hair. It's like a blowout. (laughs) Which makes me wonder a lot of things about my hair. Am I murdering people? I feel like I should be being rewarded a little bit more for my not murdering. Um, But she appears 
This is this is our first. This is Emma possessed with the abilities of the Dark One, and the first person she sees, because he is the center of everyone's attention, is Rumple. Yay! Because we have to have Rumple like asleep with his little clear heart, but then he's in the Enchanted Forest, being like, it's not actually him. It is like just her. I guess it's like the dark one manifesting itself in a form that she would recognize because then the joke is like, I could also be like Gorin the destructor or the unfallen or something like some crazy name. And then it's the boar, the dark boar. Uh, Okay. Can you imagine like I, I chronologically, I, maybe we find this out later, but this makes it seem like the one right. I know we've seen the one that was right before Rumpel, but I'm thinking the one before him was the boar. Um, could you imagine that when the next one took over, uh, that the boar was the one trying to talk to him? <laughs> and it was just like, what's going on? <laughs> no, what, what's, what, why am I here in this weird inky blackness uh, Alex Mack situation? <laughs> I can't understand you, Mr. Boar. Like, I don't understand. And then it kills him. <laughs> so one interesting note I do want to point out with this is while in my mind and heart, it will always be the dark boar. It it's actually a nod to Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, because this is the model they used for the Bandersnatch. The Bandersnatch <gasps> was a dark, fire-breathing boar that could, like, if you had it sniff something, it would find it, no matter what. And so they like I watched old scene with Red Queen and Jafar <laughs> travel back in time is very fun, uh, where they task the boar, the Bandersnatch, with finding Alice. So. I 100% think it's because they already had the the character design. They already had the CGI for it. They could just, you know, recycle it. Uh, but if we look at it canonically, it means that the Dark One once was in Wonderland or brought, you know, brought the darkness to Wonderland. And that opens up a whole interesting little exploration. And then how did the darkness end up back in the enchanted forest or what other worlds has a dark one been in or been in, you know, been from, has there been a dark one from our world? Things like that. Just, just kind of fun little, little tidbit to think about. That's the best tidbit and I'm obsessed with it. And all I want to do is speculate about it for like 30 minutes. But first of all, I love the dark boar even more knowing that he's apparently like he would be the bandersnatch. Uh, It does. And I think I mentioned this in the last episode when we, when we, started talking about what the dark one tethers itself to because didn't Merlin or the sorcerer or somebody forget already (laughs) he took all the darkness and bound it to a human soul how did the boar enter the chat like did it was it just like there was nothing around the dark curse got bored and it was just like there's I can't keep driving looking for life hey that boar looks like it would absolutely destroy something. I'm going in. I Let's mean, the go. way that someone becomes the dark one is by stabbing the previous dark one with the dagger. And that's how you become the new dark one. So per- unless unless a same th- thing happened that happened with Rumple, where the the body decayed and then the darkness got did the cyclone and the cyclone fell unto the boar... And the boar became the dark one. It's either that or the boar had the little dagger in between his teeth and went stab, stab, stab. Or just like Emma, the dark curse like 
wail down on some like other boar. And that boar, Gorin the Destroyer, was just like, no, you've done too much good and took it upon himself. He's actually a hero. See, that would actually make sense because I was reading the thing about Bandersnatches in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And there's a whole thing where they mate for life. And if their partner dies, they die. So maybe it was the Dark Boar's loved one. And he's like, no, I must save you, my love. You cannot die from this darkness. I will become the Dark One for you. And he thrusts his little tusk with the Dark One dagger into the cyclone and becomes the new Dark One. And then he's a Dark One for like five minutes until someone decides they're hungry. <laughs> they're like, that's the biggest boar I've ever seen. I'm going to kill him to make sausage and gravy and it's just like oh long live this first of all i would like to say i have never felt so moved by our own head cannon <laughs> just like this is the greatest thing we've ever done uh so just remember what we were talking about before emma's here okay so emma's here yes emma's here emma's, emma's here. here so basically rumple has appeared to talk to be the dark curse and to talk to her through and tempt her with using her magic uh, selfishly and for the the wrong reasons. And she is her normal stubborn self. We love that for her. Of just being like, no, I won't do it. I won't do it. But she has no like direction on what is good and what is bad. Because she's also super pissed about like everything that's happening. Because she can't process what's going on. She's taken on a huge mantle. And fighting it's a lot more than I think she assumed when she was standing in the street. And it's a lot. And it probably screws with your emotions. It's probably like carrying the one ring where like it fe- it starts feeding into you and you start kind of like, like it, it makes your bad emotions come out more. Yeah, I felt like her acting choices in this episode were a little um, funky at times because like her whole her whole way of expressing that she's fighting the darkness is just like closing her eyes like halfway and just looking a little sleepy. Like, yeah. just being the dark one is so exhausting. Oh, it's so really sad. just getting her down. But it can't be super exhausting because they don't sleep. Like, because she tries this. She's like, I'm just going to sleep and close my eyes. And he's like, you don't need to sleep, you big dumbass. Try some knitting. Uh, it's just like, listen, man, like, sometimes you need to close your eyes, okay? The blue light just gets to you. You need to put your sleep mask on and just let it all out. Like, it's great. Uh, but basically, it's him trying to, like, get her to channel her own darkness and, and whatever. It doesn't super work, and so he keeps fighting it a little bit. She's like, no, I need Merlin told... Or I need to go find Merlin. That's what the apprentice told us. So she starts walking. She gets lost a couple of times. And then Rumpel's like, hey, there's a person over there. So she goes and talks to, like, the world's meanest person. Because she's like, I need help. Okay, well, it, it's going to cost you, like, two gold to do that. But it, it's it's an emergency. Fine, three gold. I, I I'm... I'm desperate. Okay, four gold. It's like, you're a piece of shit. Like, this is how people get stabbed. And kind of what happens, because she gets mad, and without doing really anything, to her knowledge, she, like, attacks this guy with her magic. Mm -hmm. Because she's mad. Her anger manifests in this dude just being, and she gets extra super mad about that, because she doesn't want to do that. Because she doesn't have control. Which makes her matter, obviously. Because Emma likes to be in control. Mm-hmm. So now having her power... Because, I mean, we saw what happened during the whole Elsa thing when she channeled her powers so much she blew up the side of the building and damn near killed some people. She doesn't like 
being a loaded weapon. And right now she's just walking around like a loaded weapon and she doesn't know what the trigger is. She likes to move the moon, but on her terms. Yes. If I'm going to move the moon, I want to do it because I want to do it. If I'm accidentally moving the moon, super pissed about it. <laughs> super pissed about it. Uh, and then so she's like, no, I need to go find this this place. And Rumble's like, okay, how about you imagine? And then he just like, he describes a place, but not super well, <laughs> I will say. Mostly because it doesn't sound specific. He's just like, imagine a this. Like, he's like, imagine water. And there's sky above it. And that sky is blue. And also this. And it's just like, like, it just... That's a lot of places, buddy. Yeah, like, let's give us, like, some more descriptors. Because apparently we're going to Enchanted Forest Scotland. So let's give us some Scottish things to look at. But whatever. And she so she imagines it and she magically teleports herself. And then she's mad again. She's like, you said you wouldn't use magic. And he's like, I'm a manifestation of your own brain. You did this, not me. I said I wouldn't do it, but you did it, so uh and so she's now there and he points out he points out a will of the wisp. Wisp yeah. Will of the wisp? Am I saying it right? Why does it sound wrong? No, will of the wisp, yeah. Okay. I was in there in my head going, Wisp of the Will? That's not right either. Okay, so Will of the Wisp. It's a little blue jellyfish in the sky. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that right there. You have to go chase it. And it will give you what you want. She's like, okay. I believe you. Manifestation of my own brain. And so she chases it down. Not before uh, she basically full on pratfall runs into or whatever. Uh, we get, I did not know Merida showed up so early. I didn't remember this either. I could have sworn it was at least another like year before she came into the picture. Oh my God. So we've run into Merida. I have opinions about her wig um, or her hair. I don't remember. Is this the one that has the natural hair? Like this? I don't believe this. No, I believe it's her. It's her accent. Oh, like okay. She, okay. It's her natural accent, uh, which you can which you can tell. But no, that is definitely not. I I, I thought maybe it was at first because you were pointing out it was a wig when we were watching it. And I'm like, no, I thought maybe it was her real hair. I'm like, it's not her real hair. No, no human just- has that hair. I just, I, I, I get frustrated by the characters that are almost not exclusively design, defined by their hair, like Rapunzel and Merida, but it is a big part of their character. Like, Merida's whole thing is to have her wild hair. And I know that this is supposed to be post-Brave stuff, but, like, she should still have the wild, unmanaged hair. And instead, it just looks like hair I super wish I had. It's it's super defined curls like it it need they need to be it needs to just be super frizz just a giant frizzy mess all over her face like that's what she needs but they need her to look pretty and this is another example where they had to do like the the movie accurate costume which looks super costumey when matched up with literally everyone else except for Arthur because that's also super costumey, but in a different way. But, like, when they did it with Frozen, I kind of was able to forgive it a little bit, because I'm like, they probably had contract stipulations. But now they're just doing it again. Yeah. It is also the first time a Pixar film 
is is involved a pixar product is involved in once upon a time so kind of a big deal like and i listen i love merida merida channel is a very real part of me of like defying a lot of norms and things like that i love merida i love brave it was great i sobbed like a child at the end of it just a mother-daughter relationship healing also bears we love it but yeah like i would because i mean i've seen merida's character in disney like not I haven't personally seen it, but I've seen like the character of Merida in the Disney parks and she's got the big wig and she also stomps around. She does the, like the, she does the, <laughs> and I know this is an older Merida, so she's not going to be doing the like big stomp around thing that she was doing. But like that hair bounces when that character walks around. It's beautiful. It's so cute when it does it and her hair is humongous. Like that's what it should still be. Like even if they would have like managed to like, I don't think they ever pull it back for her. But just, like, you can still have wild hair and be defined. It almost didn't even need to be frizzy. Just, like, she's got three different kinds of curls. She doesn't take care of them the way that she should because she doesn't do that. This Merida looks like she's in the river doing curly girl method. You know what I mean? Like, plopping it, and she's got a wrap oh, in yeah. a t-shirt got, she found. Got the socks. Oh, yeah. She's just, like, fully doing those. She's like, what products do you use? And she pulls a giant bag out, and it's just like, I wash it every two weeks. It's like, this is why it looks like this. It's like, that's fine. You just, you I, you can't let Merida look like, like, do that with Rapunzel. Rapunzel should look like her hair is constantly being clean, because she's bored as hell. And, of course, she's going to wash her hair constantly. Merida d- couldn't care less about her hair. Anyway, I'm done talking about hair. Yeah. Whatever. Well, the one note I will also add is the actress is very beautiful. And even though the hair doesn't match the character and the color is not very good, it still looks nice on her. Oh, like, she's, she's beautiful. Yeah, she's, she's very beautiful. And it's not a reflection on how she looks. It's just the wig in terms of being a character thing. And also just the lace, the lace front on that thing is lackluster at best. I feel like Arthur and Merida were, like, designed to be in different lighting. <laughs> like, I, if, if I'm being completely honest, like, if they would have done a different lighting, like a more, maybe a yellow light. I'm not a light person. But just, like, a different or more dark light, it wouldn't have looked so strange, I don't think. Anyway, yeah, they were in the midday just, sun. Not, all not midday working. sun. Not even golden hour situation. Come on. You're Ooh. not even giving them a chance. But she runs into Merida, and Merida's like, um, you're a witch. And she's like, I'm not a witch. I was just cursed with dark magic. Merida says my favorite thing. Explain to me the difference. And Emma does not. She's like, well, I don't want it. I'm trying to get rid of it. And she's like, hmm, all right. I knew a witch once. She turned me into a bear. And I was like, what? She's like, don't worry about it. It's not important. Um, And then they make up a plan because Emma doesn't want to Emma doesn't want to kill Merida. But she does want the will of the wisp. She's like, listen, I need it to get rid of my thing. And then Merida making a very Merida choice of just being like, how about I use it? And then I give it to you. And then you can use it. Because that's definitely how it works. Spoiler alert. It's not how it works. Well, here's the question. Is it how it works? Because we never actually get official word from anyone other than the rumple voice inside Emma's head that that's not going to happen. I feel like, personally, I think I bought it mostly because it doesn't sound like how, like, a magical item should work. Mm. Like, if you catch it, you can't then pass it to all of your friends. Like, I feel like it would have that kind of, like, stipulation of being like, no, you have to catch it in the wild. 
Like, that's the thing. You can't just like, okay, I've caught this will of the wisp. Let's all make great, awesome choices. I'll wish for the money. You wish for the house. You wish for the cards. Well, I mean, couldn't, I, I, I imagine you could release it from your service. You're like, thank you for your, you are now free. And then that way it can be free. So it doesn't have to be bound to a person for life. Like, I feel like you should be able to release it and then someone else can grab it. You just, you're just like in a basement with your friends releasing it in a windowless room. Just like, you're free. Haha, I caught it. (laughs) I think that's how you get murdered by a Will-O-The-Wisp. Just, I feel like magic like that is, that's the kind of magic I wouldn't screw with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, very whimsical, like, borderline. I don't know if Will-O-The-Wisp, I don't know a lot about Will-O-The-Wisp lore or at history uh but it seems very fairy magic like where if you mm-hmm. screw with it you die <laughs> like you don't do bad things with it or bad things definitely happen to you so anyway that's the plan and then rumples yes em- emma's rumple brain tells her that that's not that's not how it works but merida wants to like she's trying to restore dunbrock like there's a yeah there's a situation whole situation happening whole- so this takes place, from what I've read, like 10 years after the events of Brave. Her dad has died. She is now the queen. And all the other clans have united against her and kidnapped her brothers. I've, I'm watching House of the Dragon right now. Let me just say, I don't think this is going to go well for Merida. I think the odds are very much not in her favor. And she should just bow out and, and peace out. Leave her brothers to their fate. I'm sorry. It's not going to go good for you, girl. I, yeah, it's bad, bad. This is the, this, you're right, though. That does have a very, like, this is a very interesting story that I wish that would get explored a lot more because it's crazy. Uh, but so Rumplebrain tells Emma that she needs to kill Merida because basically the way he phrases it is, not quite how I understand it, but like the way that he phrases it is that if she talks to the wisp and has it do her bidding, it will do her bidding forever until it dies. So it's not going to listen to Mer. It's not going to listen to Emma if Merida uses it first. Yeah. So, so he tells Emma that she has to steal it from Merida. Yes. But this is while they're making camp and Emma is talking to herself in an extremely loud golem voice. About no, her precious. I won't kill her. I won't do it. I can't. I wouldn't kill her. That's terrible. Why would I kill her? And when Merida's like unpacking her bag, the hell? <laughs> yeah, she's like full on Samwise Gamgee. She is on that and she is suspicious and she is not, she's not having it today. She's sitting there like slowly packing, like she had unpacked a bunch of stuff and she's slowly putting all of her like <laughs> moisturizer back into the bag being like, I guess I'll wash my hair tomorrow night. Oh yes, all, all the cre- all the hair creams, the forty two different hair kinds creams. of hair She's like creams. putting it back. She's putting it all back quietly, going, "I'll wash my hair tomorrow. It's fine." So then Emma goes. This all culminates basically in Emma taking Merida's heart and having like a standoff of just being yeah. like, "Crush it, crush it, crush it." And it was like, "No, I won't. I can't do it." I and Merida's like it. shooting arrows at her. Emma keeps catching them, and and it's. It's very funny the way that they do it. It's like you see Merida shoot the arrow and then it cuts to uh, Jennifer Morrison like holding an arrow going, Ugh. like, yeah, oh, it like, moved. I stopped it. I stopped like it's, it. It's like it's off camera and then she's holding it. She's like, huh, 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 huh. 
this is an amazing visual joke if you guys could watch us on facetime <laughs> yes it's <laughs> very very Just convincing imagine us being amazing dark ones we would be fantastic yes we would all we need is a powdered wig oh my god <gasps> Ugh. okay anyway she decides not to kill merida <laughs> could you imagine if that was the choice anyway emma kills merida from brave <laughs> next after one episode goodbye girl uh i mean that would have been quite a a refreshing take from um change of pace from the frozen thing where you could not do anything to the to the characters of elsa and anna and literally every other character within the world of frozen uh just like oh no we killed merida off right away (laughs) oh yeah we we literally introduced merida and killed her instantly uh but anyway emma doesn't like stop herself from killing Merida. Well, she does eventually. She's about to do it, and then literally everyone else shows up because they all came in on a cyclone. They happen to know where Emma is right at the moment she needs them the most, and they're they're all wearing matching shirts about the cyclone. They had time. (laughs) Yes. We're all here on vacay. We're having the best time. It's fabulous. And they're like, no, Emma, don't do it. You're good at heart. And Charming speaks for the first time and says like three words. And then he's done. He's con- fulfilled his contractual obligations for the episode. And they're all like yelling at Emma to stop. She's she's parroting what Rumple is telling her in her mind. She's got her her half closed eyes thing where she's just like, I'm so sleepy. Being the dog one is so tiring. I'm so tired. Uh, it's so hard. I, I can't crush sleep. This heart. I'm going to crush this heart and go to take a nappy nap. It's going to be great. <laughs> And and then they're like, Mary Margaret's like, okay, I will command her with the dagger. And Hook goes, no, she must choose to do it for herself. <laughs> I'm like, are you just yelling at her not to? Just make her not do it. It's fine. But no, Emma puts the heart back. Her hair is now looking fabulous again. As gave, you do. As you do. Goodness makes your hair flawless. Merida must be so good. Even though she talks about being dark. You know what? Maybe that's it. Merida hasn't murdered anybody and her hair is fantastic. (laughs) But her hair was about to get a little bit nastier because she was going to go do a bunch of murders to save her brothers. But thanks to Emma not killing her, she's like, now I'm not going to kill. Thank you for the info. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't just kill him because that would be insane. You're right. I should do a better thing. I should be the the bigger person in this war that has been started. Thank you for teaching me that lesson. Merritt, I don't think that's the lesson you should have been learning right now. But no, okay. Not going to go well for her. Or maybe it will because it's uh, once upon a time. And heroes There's, always win. Whatever. There's magic beer later. I'm super pumped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they try to give the uh, dagger to Emma, saying she should be in control of her own destiny. She says, no, 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 no. It's too much for me to have. And hands it to Regina and is like, it's because you'll kill me if no one else will kill me. I know you'll kill me. And she's like, I will. I will kill you. It's that all good. That is such a wonderful moment between these two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this, like, just very strange understanding. Because, like, Mary Margaret is just like... The actual hell is happening. And Regina's like, yeah, you're right. I would kill you if I needed to. You were right to choose me. <laughs> this was the perfect choice. And I, there was an interesting moment where Henry comes up to her and he's like, but you're not, that's not going to happen, right? You're going to be fine. And she says, yeah, I'll be fine. And then she just stares off into the distance where like the shadow of Rumple is. And she's just because we know she's not good. 
No. She's not fine. She, she's not okay. She's not good. She's like nursing some sort of weird dark one hangover and she's just staring off into the middle distance about like, I could have killed her. We could have been done with this. I could have been free. Could have had my, my wisp. But Be- Mer- <sighs> Meredith's got the wisp. She's now off on her next grand adventure. We'll see her again soon. Don't y'all worry about that. Uh, and then who who shows up? Abby? Uh, King Arthur shows up. Yay, they've been waiting for Emma? Yes, prophecies. We love a good prophecy. We love a prophecy. We love a prophecy. And we're going, we got to go. We got to go. We have to go see them. It's going to be so wonderful. We're going to meet Merlin. It's going to be great. On our, go over our nice CGI uh, drawbridge into our CGI castle. A very big CGI castle that looks very CGI castle. Which is so funny because when we introduced to King Arthur, it's all these very sweeping land shots that are, I feel like that was the first scene before they put in the weird Minnesota theater situation Mm -hmm. because it was high production, Game of Thrones, long views of like European countryside, men on horses situation that came after like the title card. And it's just like, this should have been the first part of the scene. Be like, wow, where are we? And it's just like, oh, we're medieval times. Uh, cut to the CGI bridge and the CGI everything else. And as they're walking into Camelot, hard cut. Oh, my goodness. Abby. Granny's Diner's back in Storybrooke. Sle- Sneezy. Is was it Sneezy? Well, one of the one of the dwarves is driving the uh, driving the sheriff's car, wearing Emma's jacket. I love that. <laughs> you you know you go and and there is a apparently a deleted scene where we see that in the absence of our heroes, uh, the the patch of land that was formerly Granny's diner has been converted into a beer garden, which was uh, I believe. Uh, like Sneezy started it to, as, a, as a business venture. I'm, th- I'm so proud of them. I'm so excited for these guys living their best lives while the everyone else is out of town. And then the uh, and then Granny's Diner crashes onto it. And this is when we get our first teasing look at Emma. And there's a shot of her in apparently in this beautiful long cloak with like a crocodile clasp, these long creepy sleeves big giant hood kind of a a a dark black version of the cloak we've seen her in throughout this episode and it's beautiful and i found auction pictures of the cloak it is gorgeous because you can't really find much about this these scenes i'm so bummed that they got rid of this like save the merlin stuff have the beer garden where's my beer garden i listen nothing makes me happier than the fact that an entire establishment was like disappeared overnight and the residents decided because they're enchanted forest residents they decided we will rebuild we will survive and you know what there's no there's no mayor here no first mayor no second mayor there are no liquor laws we will start a beer garden yes (laughs) byob it's a byob town now y'all oh yeah i love i want to know what other laws they passed i want to know what kind of like wild situation is happening in Storybrooke in their absence. Because six weeks is a long time when you've left a lot of... when you've left the mice alone. You know what I mean? Like... Oh, yeah. N- there's no one in charge. Oh, Not yes. a single person. Who Sleepy or whichever one took over for Emma is the most corrupt sheriff in the history of Storybrooke. And yes, that includes Graham. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm also like, there's like a like another timeline in which like all the fairies took over and it became like a weird like church town theocracy. <laughs> it's a weird theocracy nonsense uh, crossover with Handmaid's Tale. It gets weird, you guys, but it's okay. It all got smashed when everyone come back came back in on a cyclone. We came back on a cyclone. We came back. And oh no, wouldn't you have it? Everyone's got amnesia again. Dagnabbit, that pesky amnesia. It's six weeks later. Everybody's wearing medieval garments. The baby's fine. Don't worry. The baby is fine. Even though they all crash landed without any awareness. The baby should have been flattened, but the baby is fine. The baby is fine. If you take nothing else from this episode, the baby is fine. (laughs) And they're all like, what the hell? We lost our our memory. Uh, Mary Margaret goes again, just like rolls her eyes. And they're all trying to figure out what happened. And someone comes in with cryptic answers. What happened? <gasps> you guys. Emma. Doc Emma. She's here. And her coat is glorious. If you look at the wig from the back. It's great. There's this beautiful like knot thing. That's like swirling with these big beautiful braids. The front of it. The, the front guys she, it, give her give her those little elsa bangs I, give give her the give her some bang give her a side swoop this this is not working i i say this as a person who's always had longish hair when i pull my hair back i look like a bald person like i look bald so it's like one of those things where I'm never concerned. Like if I ever had to shave all my hair, I'm not concerned. I know what the shape of my head looks like because I've pulled my hair back in those really tight ponies. I've done the ballerina bun. If you don't have stuff to frame your face, it just goes away. And I think that they saw that. So they tried to like tease her hair up a bit. And then the spirit Halloween white that they put on is so baffling i i don't understand i don't know how this made it i I, of everything this is the part i will not forgive i don't it is so crusty it is and like you see in early versions like early concept art her her eyebrows were bleached too which i actually thought was a good touch but they ultimately decided not to instead they just gave it a little bit of like frostiness like they put a little eyeshadow over it a little silver eyeshadow but no like she had full-on bleached eyebrows but they decided not to do that um but she didn't need the it didn't need to look like this it did not need to look like this i get that they want to show that she's in control that's why the hair is back and away from her face stern face focus on the face you could have done that with her hair you could have had this big beautiful fall behind her you could have made her hair black. Like, give her raven, beautiful raven hair. I thought with, like, it was going to be black. With, like, these beautiful white streaks so, uh, strewn throughout. Like, blonde streaks signifying that she's still in there somewhere. I'm doing this beautiful wave with my hand. I was going to say, it's just like a lot hair. of really big gesticulating with Beth's hand. Yes, about, like, how because it I don't have hair, so I must imagine the hair. I, I genuinely thought it was going to be black. Like, I remember originally watching it being like, she's going to show back up with just that raven black hair. Which would have looked so good, and it would have really signified that she is the dark one. Like, she is a different person. I don't... 
hate the notion of her having like white hair. Targaryens have platinum blonde hair. You can make it work, even though in the latest show, the wigs are mixed. But this was also when Daenerys Targaryen existed. We had the technology to make blonde, convincing platinum white blonde wigs even work with dark eyebrows. I am wondering if that's what's made them go to white other than platinum. Because I think, first of all, I think Jennifer Morrison would have carried platinum hair like a boss. I'm not sure how she would have carried black hair. Black hair is a tough one to move to with, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I would have loved to seen it, but I don't know. I'm wondering if they didn't move to platinum so she didn't look like a Targaryen. I wondered if it was like a, but again, like white is such a baffling choice when the only way to be, when the only way to move that kind of crisp, pearly white is either with spray or with a full wig. And like, they did both. Like, do, like, an ombre thing. You know what I mean? Like, make her hair, like, transition to white. Yeah. They're, again, this is this is fully on their own shoulders. They did this to themselves. <laughs> like, they didn't need to do any of this. They could have just given her... Have you... And the, I, this didn't exist then. Have you, do you know the trend about fairy hair? Where they just put, like, tinsel in your hair? <laughs> <laughs> just put tinsel in her hair. Give her some extensions like that. Give her extensions of varying colors, but, like... I think her hair, like, as a, like, Rumpel's hair was mo- mostly just, like, it's down and it's got, like, more body and stuff. But I think, like, as a, as a lady, I think Emma's in control of her dark one persona. I think she wouldn't have gone white. I think she would have had more choices. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it- the dark one curse is just really not good with chicks. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I, I don't know, white hair, fuck, who knows? Like, yeah, and well, also, you know, we, we get more with Nimue later, and I believe she had darker hair. So giving Emma darker hair would have been a good way to pay homage to, like, the first dark one, like the origins of the dark one. Um, but, I mean, it's it's too late. We can't go back now. We can only move forward. This wig is our future. This wig is our destiny. This wig is all we have, so we must go with it. We are done bitching about it. And Emma kinda. is in full dark mode. And she, dark one mode, and she tells the team, you guys failed. I am the dark one. My, I have grand evil plans and we're going to make them happen. From what I remember, that's not exactly the case. There's a whole like double con thing going on. There's a thing. I don't quite remember how, but like, I remember her, she like doing it to like protect people. Oh, there's a I lot rem- of Uno I remember. Reverse cards. I remember, yeah, 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 but I'm yeah. not going to say there's, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's I remember a lot what of it Uno is. Reverse cards that happen in this season, and again, I think it's mostly overshadowed by the fact that I really hate the wig. And again, I'm going to try not to bag on it after this episode too much. I just think it was also their answer to not putting her in scales. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they were like, we're not going to make Jennifer sit through through this because I have a feeling Robert Carlyle was like, don't do it. It's so terrible. You don't want to get called in at four o'clock in the morning. It's so bad. Um, I would have loved some contacts on her, though, like rumple style contacts, rumple style contacts, or even just like the scales on her cheekbones, <gasps> like do like a really defined cheek. That sounds so much fun. Um, but yeah, there's like this whole season goes through like I remember feeling, and I'm I'm interested to see how it's gonna feel again. I'm I'm happy that we're wa- we've come into this watching this so steadily. 
so I have more of a natural push into this. Mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't quite have that because I had binged it on Netflix, and then we started watching it. Yeah, uh, last time we did this, so this will be this will be interesting. But I, I I remember feeling very disjointed in this season about how the Dark Emma stuff went because of how many Uno reverses happened. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. <laughs> I I don't know. This whole thing. I did enjoy this a little bit more than I thought I would. But I think knowing what I know now, I remember watching it the first time going, oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm still excited. So now I'm excited for different reasons. I'm excited <laughs> to see how it plays out with what I know mm-hmm. versus the 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 Abby spackle that I was doing last time and the are are guessing what would happen and us getting excited about things that never happened. And so one like, thing that did, but not in the way we wanted it to. Exactly. Managed expectations will be our best friend through this next season. And I, okay. I do think we're going to like it a little bit better than we did the first time. I I hope so, too. That's my hope. Um, but in the meantime, we want to thank everybody for joining us for Season 5, Episode 1, The Dark Swan. Or, as it was called in the winning language, Finish, In the Vortex of Darkness. That has everything. That has the cyclone. Mm-hmm. That has... Oh, we love it. Uh, of course, we want to thank our wonderful patrons for your support, especially our Swan Queen patrons. This week's Patreon shout-out goes to Lindsay Halleck. Thank you so much, Lindsay. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head to patreon.com slash Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Timing. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we're going to be back next week with season five, episode two, The Price. And Abby, is it a price you are willing to pay for more Once Upon a Time? Yes. Let's do it. Let's go. (laughs) Well, thank you everyone for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.